up close with Carlos Sang, celebrating art, entertainment and the human spirit. Uh, welcome to another episode of Up Close with Carlos Sang. My next guest is a hugely acclaimed uh, musical theatre star. Uh, he has previously been seen in shows such as From Here to Eternity, The Distance You Have Come. Uh, he is now currently reprising Luntha in The King and I. He is also an amazing uh, vocal coach and fitness coach as well. Uh, it's a huge privilege to be able to introduce the one and only Dean John Wilson. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Firstly... You're very kind to uh, to say all of those lovely, lovely things. Um, I really do appreciate it. They're very true as well. At the same time, um, yeah, uh, I yeah I got to see you in the King and I at the Palladium back in 2018. Uh, when you finished playing the role back then, did you feel like you were done with the show, or was there still more you wanted to explore here? Absolutely not. With every role that I am so fortunate to play, I always feel like every performance is a rehearsal for me. I never ever feel like I always just feel like there's always more room to grow. I find new things every single night, and I'm still finding new things reprising the role uh, on tour. You know, different audiences, different people's energies. Um, yeah, so when I finished it at the Palladium, I knew there was definitely more to give and more to find with Lunta. I feel like even though he is only on stage for a fraction of the show, I do feel like he is such a complex character and I do feel like you do have to do a lot of kind of backstory work um, with that. I mean, he gets two beautiful, lovely songs in the show, but I do feel like in terms of his character and, and the narrative that you want to portray um, for it to come across as authentic as possible and as honest as possible, you do have to, you know, do a lot of that kind of uh, background work. So yeah, um, I, in answer to your question, I felt like I, didn't want to leave it and I was desperate to get back to doing it and especially doing it across the country and telling this timeless story um, to you know a broader audience up and down the country of the UK it's such a privilege. Yeah absolutely I mean do you feel like you're approaching the role and the show differently to when you did it in 2018? I do yes I mean that was now what five or so years ago Um, I think with any, any role that you do if you if you approach it again for a second or third time, you get the chance to do that. I feel like as humans, we grow with experience and we we bring our life, especially for me as an actor, I, I tend to try and bring um, a lot of my life experiences to the roles that I play and, and try and personalise performances. Anyone who's a member of the VCA who's listening in right now will know that I'm a huge advocate for personalising performances um, using the Sanford Meisner technique, which is something that, is key for him and his uh, his practice um, to finding true authenticity and uh, uh, honest performances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw that um, Annaline Beachy has, of course, also just come back to the show as well on tour. Um, how has it been, you know, working together again and you know discovering this show again together? Wonderful. She's such a uh, she's such a breath of fresh air, and it was an absolute privileged to work with her um, back at the Palladium and then to find out that she was coming back to uh, reprise her role for uh, a short time it really was just it was just wonderful wonderful news. Yeah of course um, and Bartlett Sher of course is you know one of the most renowned directors and the production received you know, huge acclaim on Broadway and at the Palladium too um, what was it like you know working with Bart and why do you think he is so well respected in the industry? You're absolutely right he is you know one of the most acclaimed 
directors in the industry to date. Again, what an absolute honour it was to uh, uh, work with him and and alongside him. He's such a he's such a collaborative director. He gives you know creative license for you to put stamps on. You know these these roles. Um, you know Luntar has been done several times across the globe, and I do feel like when working with someone like Bart, he he does allow creative license, and it's such a collaborative effort. And he's so intelligent. Um, and he, yeah, he's just a real genius, and he knows the piece inside out, and he knows what works and what doesn't, and he'll tell you what doesn't work, um, and he'll also tell you what does work as well, which is which is really which is really great. Again, just a breath of fresh air, and it's really great to work with someone of that caliber. Yeah, I feel like um, Rodgers and Hammerstein are also, you know, sort of coming back into fashion. You know, you've got Oklahoma, you know, doing very well in the West End. Southern Music is heading to Chichester. Um, there was a big revival of South Pacific recently too. Um, and of course, you did Cinderella at Cardangan Hall, which I also went to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is, you know, the enduring appeal of Rodgers and Hammerstein? It's definitely the music. I mean, just for example, this show, for anybody who's listening who has not seen the film, has not seen the musical or doesn't really know it, I think the music is something that has been ingrained into our our bodies uh, and into our world from, you know, from being a child. And everyone falls in love with that music. As soon as you hear the overture, they strike up that orchestra and you hear that first chord, um, you know, the March of the Siamese Children and uh, I Have Dreamed, uh, We Kiss in the Shadow, Shall We Dance, all of these great classic tunes. You just know that they're there. So I feel like everyone's first love or kind of who don't quite know the king and i they know the music immediately and i feel like you know you know rogers and hammerstein write an absolute great great tune it's great melody it's wonderful to sing as a vocalist yeah i feel like the music is definitely at the forefront of everything yeah, I do. I'm a, I'm a huge Roger and Hammerstein fan. And, you know, I feel like, you know, for some people, you know, Roger and Hammerstein, they can, you know, that whole golden age sound is, you know, sometimes seen as not as cool or as edgy as some of the more contemporary stuff. Um, do you feel like there's still a place you know, for these sorts of musicals you know, in today's society? Absolutely. I, like I said um, at the beginning of this call, the stories are absolutely timeless. You know, everyone can relate to them. Um, and I do think it's time for Rodgers and Hammerstein and these legit classic musical musicals to come back to, you know, tours across the country um, for people who can't make it to the West End for whatever commitment or, or you know, bring it to the West End or just bring it back to theatre. Because whilst I absolutely love a contemporary jukebox musical um, as much as anyone, I, I do have a soft spot for legit musical theatre because it's where I started. Um, and yeah, I guess with the time, everyone's kind of moving more towards a, a contemporary, more relatable um, piece of musical theatre. But I do think, you know, the timeless classic musical theatre shows are making a comeback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you get to sing, you know, two of the most beautiful songs in the show, you know, We Kiss in the Shadow and I Have I Have Dreamed. Um, you know, what were these songs, you know, songs that you were particularly drawn to and you know, do you enjoy singing such romantic material too? I do. I love I love a ballad, as everyone who's listening probably knows. I do love a ballad. And I, the way that, you know, Rose Hammerstein wrote these melodies are just absolutely stunning. They really, really are. And they do hugely complement um, uh, the orchestrations. Um, 
I Have Dreamed, for example, wasn't actually a song that I've ever sung at drama school. A lot of the a lot of the guys there did sing that song. Um, I just didn't. And I got into it a little bit later on in my career, actually. But um, yeah, it, every single night that I go out there and do it, I always find something new with it. But it just feels, I don't know, just so thrilling to be able to, you know, have that huge sound behind you. Uh, the orchestra and then be able to kind of sing that wonderful melody over the top is just it's just so thrilling it really is absolutely um and you know what is it about the story which you think is still resonating with audiences today yeah i mean in layman's terms if you strip everything back the costumes the sets and you know take yourself out of 1862 it is essentially just a, a single parent woman um who is struggling to make ends meet just to try and raise the child and in the process she ends up completely changing the traditions of Siam and the king of, of a, an entire culture about love about respect about that mutual understanding that that's basically it in in real layman's terms and I do feel like nowadays there are a lot of struggling um single parents out there who would absolutely hugely be able to relate to something like this and they'll be deeply moved i mean for myself um i was born uh, and, and raised uh, into a, a single uh, parent family and my mom has literally been there for me been my rock paper and scissors throughout much of my life um and when she saw it she said the exact same thing if you strip everything back take the costumes away and the you know the the grandeur of it and the kind of opulence of it on a simple level, it is exactly that. And that really resonated with me. And that's the reason why I brought it to the table today. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of these, you know, golden age sort of shows, you know, like they're, they're written in a way which is, you know, very different to the way that musicals are written today. You know, do you feel like, you know, we'll ever see, you know, a comeback of, you know, shows, you know, written with like a large orchestra in mind, you know, with like, you know, romantic numbers too? think so yes i mean what an absolute privilege it was to do something of this caliber in the west end i'd absolutely love to do more rogers and hammerstein stuff um like 100 and i do feel like there is a huge gap in the in the musical theater market for it um we have the theaters we just now need the producers to produce these shows and put them in um because they will sell and they will resonate with audiences across the globe and um yeah, we'll put some smiles on many people's faces. Yeah, uh, I know you're also a very passionate um, vocal coach, as you mentioned, you know, you established VCA back in 2015. Um, were you always mm. interested in, you know, teaching and coaching too? Yeah, ever since I left Mountview, quick story, because I do know I do like to uh, to waffle a little bit for anybody who knows me. Um, when I left Mountview, I had a huge passion for learning to play the piano. I taught myself and I did a lot of rep stuff with um, some of the uh, students at Mountview. And I didn't really think too much of it. And then I really got into um, kind of the, the sciences behind the voice, especially um, using the still technique, which is what I learned at Mountview. Um, started coaching people from there. Um, back in 2015, the brand VCA, aka Voice Coach Academy was formally named um, and then when the pandemic hit we took everything completely online we now are global we coach people in America uh, Australia Vietnam uh, Chicago Canada like up and down the country Wales Scotland Ireland we are global now and, and it's only getting better and 
it's such a rewarding job to do to be able to give back to um, aspiring performers and trying to get themselves an agent to put them in front of casting directors to land them west end jobs uh, touring jobs which just yesterday i found out that um one of my uh, long uh, standing students has just landed aladdin i can't say who they i can't say who they are but um and they've landed such an incredible pivotal role in the show um and it is just an absolute blessing and it was really great to kind of go back to that aladdin material and really really help them out um yeah we've got, we've had um, students land uh, touring jobs west end jobs we've even had a student perform at 54 below that they got invited over to sing kind of off broadway with uh, drew casparini which was absolutely fantastic yeah and then to date now i whilst i'm on tour i mondays and fridays and sometimes weekends i'll coach um in between the show uh, around the country i'll take my laptop with me my ipad and um yeah i'm in constant touch with all of my members to ensure that they are progressing in the way that i feel like they should be and it is like i said the reason why i do it is it's so rewarding to you know have my members experience some of the experiences that i've been really really privileged um, to have had in the industry and just see their faces light up and especially when they first come on board and they're like actually i i can't do it there's so many people doing it this person's better than me that person's doing this that person's got that agent that person's that and it's literally nothing to do with that it's literally about you know you as a person how approachable you are obviously your talent but your work ethic and your level of proactivity and that's what i really try and instill and build people's confidence um to get in the room and show the best version and best vocal version of themselves in the room um but it's been really really successful and that's the vca yeah i mean did you have a you know coach yourself when you were an aspiring performer you know did you have that mentor or someone guiding you too yeah to date now i still do have several mentors um several coaches i have a business coach i have a fitness coach i have a um a vocal coach i also have an acting coach as well um i do feel like this sounds really cliche but i feel like the word cliche is just an overused version of the truth but the best people in the world or the you know the who are at the top of their game all have coaches so it's never i just feel like there's a huge pride thing with oh i don't need a coach i won't do it i'll just kind of do it myself and i was like that for a long time and when i decided to kind of step out of my comfort zone and and hire a coach um for whatever um avenue that is everything just seemed to be not easier because i still do the work and i'm still going to be proactive but everything just seemed to just soar and kind of you know it was like a it was like an abundance mindset everything just kind of started coming to me um you know jobs um I mean, not coming to me because I was working really, really hard, but things just started to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I do still have coaches, and and I I really do advocate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, you're also very known for your physical health too. I know you did a lot of like physical, you know, fitness coaching too. And um, were you also, you know, always really interested in you know fitness? And is it hard, you know, staying in shape whilst you're on the road and performing? Yeah, I mean, I was always the smallest guy in school growing up. I'm not the tallest of people, um, five foot ten, but my my um, <laughs> CV says five eleven. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, no, no. So I decided when everyone started to shoot up and, and get taller and stuff, I decided to start training really, really early, just because I wanted to bulk out. Um, 
I love it. And it's not now, over the last kind of, I mean, I've been doing it now for the last 15 years, really. Um, but for now, it's not really about the muscles or getting lean or anything like that. I mean, whilst that is good, it's, you know, it feels good and, and, you know, it's good to look, it's good to feel good for me on holiday with my shirt off and whatnot. It's more for my mental health. It's like if I left the house without brushing my teeth, I just would feel horrendous. You know what I mean? I would, I like to be kind of active all the time. I like to keep fit, whether it's running, whether it's cross training, whether it's, you know, lifting weights, eating well, um, and I do feel as well, I, as a coach and as a performer, I can't give my best, the best of my ability from an empty vessel. And I feel like if I put good food in my body, have good, adequate sleep, um, I train well, uh, I try and keep a positive mindset. Um, and yeah, I feel like that there, I'm then able to kind of give back and be the best that I can be for other people and for my auditions that come up and my input in shows as well. Yeah, I mean, how do you stay motivated too? Well, here's the thing. There's this misconception with motivation because motivation is doing the things when you feel like it. A lot of people just think that I'm motivated all the time and I'm really, really, really not. I'm committed. Commitment is doing the things that you said you would do long after the mood in which you said them has passed. So. Again, it's it's all about discipline. When motivation, because motivation comes every couple of weeks, you feel, oh my gosh, yes, that's a new training regime. That's a, you know, it's a new restaurant. That's a new bit, piece of food. I, you know, you look in the mirror and you go, oh my gosh, I feel really crap about myself, or I feel really good about myself. That gives me some motivation to spare myself on and do that. Or that person's doing this. Whatever that is in your life, motivation comes and goes. Discipline is doing the things that you should be doing, regardless of how you feel. So for example, I do a lot of cold therapy as well. So I jump in cold showers and cold plunges. I might make them look easy. They're not easy. Every single morning that I do one, I'm like, I'm dreading it. I'm breathing heavy. I'm like taking, you know, my time with it. It's hard. It's really, really hard. But, you know, if you start the day, which is something I always say, start the day with doing hard things. The rest of the day seems pretty easy. But if you start the day really easy and lazy and you don't wake up until 1.30, 2 o'clock, which we've all done, the rest of the day feels like a little bit of a drag. Mm. Yeah, so I always say do hard things for an easy life, you know, easy things for a hard life. So, yeah, motivation comes and goes. Yeah, so I don't always feel motivated. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I mean, like, obviously you're very passionate about coaching. Um, do you ever see yourself, you know, going completely full-time with that and, you know, leaving, you know, giving yourself a break of the performing? I feel like I can absolutely do both in the way that I'm doing it at the moment because we have an app right now with so many courses and so many, you know, tips and techniques and, and vocal stuff and acting through sound stuff inside of a um, our very own VCA app that offsets a lot of the workload for me um, so I can really focus on my one-to-one -one coaching. Um, I can absolutely do both. I do feel like it's a full-time job, but I also feel like the show is also a full-time job. I'm also a business coach as well, so I do coach um, coaches to basically run successful online companies, much like myself. I'm currently coaching a couple of vocal coaches, and it's basically the exact same blueprint as to what I've done. And I really champion that you can do both. You can run an online business and be in the industry as well. So I mainly focus on performers. So I do. I don't think I'll ever leave the. I'm sure I'll leave the industry at some point, 
But um, for now, I can absolutely do both. And I'm really, really enjoying doing both as well. Okay, amazing. I was also really curious, you know, coming from the north, you know, do you feel like, um, yeah, do you feel like you still have to like move to London, you know, to pursue like a successful career in musical theatre? Great question. And I think if we've learned anything over the last three to five years, the answer is no. When I um, was growing up, there wasn't very much opportunity, especially um, in Middlesbrough, um, especially for the things that I wanted to do. So I felt like the only option was to either move to America or move to London. America wasn't an option. London was hard enough, um, especially growing up in Middlesbrough, you know, not a lot of money and stuff like that. So it was difficult to kind of make that move. Got a scholarship at Mountview, which helped a bunch. Ended up moving to London, um, cut to the pandemic, and everything started to move online very, very, very quickly. I actually now live up north permanently, back up in Middlesbrough, and all of my auditions that I do are via Zoom or self-tape. And if I need to come down, you know, if there's a final or anything, of course I'll come down for that. And if I obviously, if I get into a, a West End show or anything, then obviously I'll move down for that contract. But for now, I'm really, really happy living back up north and commuting if and when I need to. I'll either drive, I'll take the train, or if the train strikes, I'll have to get the bus or whatnot. But that's absolutely fine because um, I did that for much of my time whilst I was at Mountview, constantly living out of the megabus. But yeah, I don't think that you need to move to London. I think you will need to spend some time in London, but all a lot of it now can be done just like this, much like we're doing right now. Because I do feel like, you know, you can you can build rapport with casting directors like this with agents with you know connections in, in London and obviously like I said if it's if it's for an agent meeting I get all of my members to um to book a call immediately like this just to try and get into tight rapport with them see if they're a good fit for each other and then if they want to meet them in person then they can carve some time out of the day and they can um, schedule a meetup but usually they just offer them uh, off the back of a call I think, yeah, I think technology, I think we should be absolutely using technology to to our advantage because it's it's with us. And I feel like that's the way the industry is going to go. Just one last question. Um, sure. <laughs> what do you most want to be remembered for? Wow, this is a deep question. Um, I want to be remembered for making a difference in thousands of people's lives for the better here's the thing it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from whether you have inherited millions or you're seriously broken poor if you have a passion and you have a dream it'll always just stay a passion and a dream if you don't take massive action and i think my the reason why i'm here on this earth is to perform um is to tell stories but also as well my calling is to help people into the industry it really is um I, I honestly i get such a buzz from it um and if i can help anyone do that and anyone who's listening right now a dream will always stay a dream if if you just let it you have to take huge action um so that's what i'd like to be remembered for very inspiring stuff dean john wilson thank you so much for joining us today Thank you very much, Carlos.